You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Eli keeps, flips, touchdown Giants, Evan Ingram. What a start. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Happy New Year, Grump. I'm not doing the obligatory, oh, last year was so awful, let's hope that next year is better. I'm just, it's 2021, and the first giant game of the year is a de facto playoff game. I'm turning the page, and we're looking for better days starting tomorrow. We were talking about how 2020 sucked ass, and we couldn't wait till 2021 for the last, like, eight months so it doesn't need to be repeated now but you're right you know this is not necessarily a win and they're in but this is a game that they must win to get in so Giants win this game and then later on at night we watch with our TVs on mute because Al Michaels is awful Um, (laughs) here he goes (laughs) and uh, Philadelphia uh, hosts yeah the, the Washington football team and if Philadelphia wins the Giants are in if Philadelphia loses, Washington. No matter what, Washington wins and they're in. Um, but Philadelphia is really the key to everything. They unlock every possibility. If the Cowboys win and Philly wins, the Cowboys are in. Is that right? Well, all I care about is us. Yeah. Well, that's that's the truth, and that's that's all the Giants should care about. And quite frankly, you guys, you can cheer, you can root for Philly, I guess, if you want. You know, but. This is the, the the game that the Giants players need to worry about is the one that they can control. And you know, I say this all year so you don't get in this situation, but it is what it is now. They can only win this game and hope. So you never like to be in a situation where you're hoping. What's past is prologue. And the fact is that they, you know, they win. Things break their way. They are NFC East Division champions, and they are going to host a playoff game. That's the bottom line. And this is not college football where perception is everything. This is the NFL where all that matters is winning and losing. And, you know, the fates gave them a really, really bad division this year. And they are not going to decline an invitation to the playoffs. This is where we are. So, you know, this, I've been saying this all year is. Very, very helpful for Joe Judge, his coaching staff, a very young Giants team to build a winning tradition and a winning culture here. Nobody on this team gives one rat's ass about you know, 2011. Nobody could care less about you know, beating San Francisco in the 1990 NFC Championship game and, that, and Scott Norwood missing field goals. Most of these guys probably weren't even born. No, in Super Bowl 21, it, it, it's all they have no, you know, care or probably even recollection of when this team was ever relevant or really good. So this is a time to build a new culture and a new tradition here. So, you know, the only way you can do that, you can't replicate it by pretending. Let's go through the motions, pretend this is a playoff game is we get the opportunity to play as if because this is there's no difference right now. With the Giants' record is, or if they were thirteen and three, trying to win, you know, a, a division against another thirteen and three team, they are in playoff mode. 
it will pay benefits in the future for Daniel Jones, this coaching staff, you know, the young guys in the offensive line. How do you handle pressure? How do you win? And that is more than we could have asked for going into this year because none of us expected to be in this position. No, um, we did not. But um, so the Giants, they're hosting their, uh, I guess, their unofficial playoff game at one o'clock in MetLife. Um, a game that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of upset that we can't go to. This would be a really fun one. Um, very upset, of course. I've been very upset that we haven't, you know, we we haven't been to the Meadowlands all year. That's uh, it's been very, very upsetting. And we've been saying for years we go to these crappy games and, you know, right around the holidays and like, what are we doing here? Yeah. What's the point? And here's a playoff game. And thankfully, the Giants are going to this one fairly, fairly healthy as compared to previous weeks. You know, Eli Penny is is hurt, and I, you know, he is out, deactivated. Golden Tate still hasn't practiced this week. We're not sure if we're going to see him. However, Dante Pettis has worked his way into the lineup. We'll get to him in just a second. Cam Brown didn't practice either due to an in, a non-COVID illness. Um, so while he didn't practice, there's still a chance that he can play. It all depends on how he feels. Um, Julius Peppers, Julius Peppers, Jabril Peppers, <laughs> Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, all limited. Daniel Jones and Darnay Holmes, full practices from both of them. So there's a good chance that we're going to have a very full cast, thankfully, going into this game. Um, Dallas, on the other hand, they're missing some key pieces. Um, you know, I, they, they've been missing some key pieces all year. I started with Dak Prescott, but um, Leighton Vanderish, Darian Thompson. And uh, Rashard Robinson, all out. Xavier Woods, limited. Shadobi Awuja should should play. He's a full practice. Um, but, you know, they're already not a very good unit on defense. So any pieces that are gone, especially in the back, is really going to hurt them because they don't have much back there to begin with. Got to give Dallas some credit. You know, when they fell behind early last week to Philly, they could have very easily folded up the tents and that was the end of it. And they didn't, and they put on a quite a performance. So, you know, there is a little, you know, teams like Dallas, teams that have talent that underachieve, you have to put a knife in their heart and twist it every which way to make sure they're dead. Because if they're not dead and they hang around, you know, wonky things can happen. And they have a little bit of life now. Now they think that now they believe they they see who they're playing. You know, they realize they're not playing the, the 86 Giants. They're playing the 2020 Giants, and they believe they can win. So uh, you know, they're, they're treating this exact same way that we're treating this game. They're going to go into, you know, a, well, a not-hostile environment <laughs> and against a, a rival, a team they know really well. And uh, Do you think that's true? When you, when, you, when you say that, and when people say a team they know really well, I mean, these are two – new coaches in their first year. I mean, do they really know each other well? I mean, they know each other well enough to have already played each other once this year. Yeah, they've okay. gone through the they've gone through due diligence already once and you know division teams better because you played them twice. You go through that whole preparation twice. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the GM knows very well. You know, cuz uh, you know any GM worth his soul is really, you know, is thinking about the other teams in his division and how he's building his team. Like, what do we need to do? You know, we have this quarterback we have to worry about, or 
the style of this division has kind of become more of a ground and pound or is more airing it out. And so that they know a lot. Uh, Jason Garrett knows this team pretty well. That's a good point. Um, I, I mean, I guess. He knows oh, the I talent mean, on the roster. I would say that, yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, fair. so things may not be exactly the same, but he can tell you tendencies of, of players and things. So, I mean, it's far better than knowing, like, oh, we're playing the Raiders this week. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. So, you know, I I kind of went through and I, I, I watched a lot of Dallas film. I watched, you know – but the things I most paid attention to were recent games and then that week five game against Dallas. And it doesn't seem like that long ago. I remember where I was in a bar in Vermont um, eating <laughs> mediocre pizza. Uh, but uh, I remember it very, very well. But actually rewatching the game, it seems like a lifetime ago. So much has changed. And, you know, even I get caught up in the recency things with the NFL. Um, but, you know, it. it it doesn't seem like that long ago, but really so much is different. At that time, the offensive line was having some issues, particularly in picking up blitzes off the edge. Jones, that game, was either getting rid of the ball really quickly or evading sacks, moving out of the pocket, or getting sacked. I mean, in that game, he had a sack fumble that was returned for a touchdown. Probably the last time that's happened. Yeah. may even be the last time he's fumbled. And that really started, really started cranking up all the the turnover talk and everything that was real. Cause again, it was a, you know, it's a high profile game when you play Dallas and yeah. And because it resulted in the score and this was such a close game, you know, it was, it was a talking point about how he needs to hold on to the ball and, you know, and I get it, sure. but, but the fact is that the line has been performing better as of late as a whole. Yes. Okay. We can look at last week against a great Baltimore defense and all the blitzes that they do. But in general, the last couple of weeks, uh, the last six weeks, the line has been playing like a different team versus what they played like in week five. Um, yeah, I'd say it's still very inconsistent. You know, the Arizona. I'm not game saying they're bad. consistent, but in ge- it's looking at that up. week, that week five game was a mess. I mean, there there were completely unchecked blitzes all over the place, and it's not just the offensive line. I, I I should clarify, it's the blocking in general. The running backs weren't picking up shit. You know, it wasn't being identified by Jones. You know, maybe I don't know who whomever is responsible. If it was on the line, the communication, or if it was Jones, n- things were being assignments were completely blown. We're not seeing completely blown assignments so much anymore. There's some execution issues. There's some talent issues, and there's some um, scheming. Yeah, there's, there's some scheming there's, experience there's tape issues. Now on us. Yeah, you know this. We we've, we've made some modifications. You know, we we now have Shane Lemieux is playing at left guard now where, you know, it took a little bit. Now there's some tape on him. So now you can kind of game plan around what the current, you know, personnel is on, on the offensive line. Matt so Parrott takes... too, for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, while the offensive line has been playing better, the same can be said about the Cowboys defense, especially you, you mentioned last week, you know, it's in part due to the addition of Randy Gregory, who had a massive game last week. Um, if the Giants are going to win this game on offense, the game plan looked like a good one in that matchup. They had several routes running deep, and shots were being taken. It mostly worked, you know, when Jones wasn't getting buried, that is. In the back half, the Cowboys just don't match up well with any team in the league. They are very devoid of talent in the back half, which I, I mentioned at the top. And we've the, seen that against teams that don't even have that much talent on offense. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, scorching them, so... 
don't be afraid to not take shots if you are worried about guys getting separation. Just the threat of it, you know, can open up other things. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that I don't think we've seen very much of at all in Jason Garrett's offense, and to be fair, it's been tweaking here and there throughout every week, every two weeks or so. Little things have been trickled in for whatever reason. But one thing that I think will really, really work is if they hit these short game passes, run a fucking double move off of it. Just burn them. Burn them. Everybody in the league is sitting on our stick routes and the short ones, and that's why they're so dangerous. But if we run a double off of that, because everyone's sitting on it, you can run right past them. And Jones has a nice touch pass on deeper balls. I I really think that that's that's what's going to elevate this team, you know, elevate this offense, you know. And also... It opens up those short underneath routes again. Once you get people worried about a double move, they're not going to be able to fly in like a missile on short routes. So, you know, that's something that I really, really hope that we see in this game. Um, and I think will work to great success. But nothing's going to work if, if they don't get that shit cleared up on the offensive line. You know, they have to stop the likes of uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, Alden Smith. These are primary pass rushers. And also, the the really good instincts and athleticism of Jalen Smith, who was a monster in the game in Week 5. Uh, Sean Lee is probably filling in for Leighton Van Der Esch, and while he is like 90 years old and made out of uh, spider glass, or whatever that's called, um, he's still a very, very intelligent linebacker. And even if he's there just to get a couple of hands on a guy and stall them long enough for other people to gang tackle, that's still a big difference. So, you know, he's not a complete wash. You know, it's it's not like Leighton Vander Esch is out and he's being replaced by, you know, Joe, who usually works at, you know, Kings <laughs> the or something on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, or me. Um, the, the Giants' plan of running hard between the tackles with Gallman, throwing downfield off play action... And if you can use screens and double moves to your advantage, that is the way to beat this defense. They're not very good, but you have to slow down the pass rush because that's where there is talent for them. And I think you do that early. I don't think you try to establish a run and then like then you take your shots. I think like in the first drive, you set a tone right away. Like, you know, first or second play, take a shot. Yeah, don't even let the pass rush get comfortable. Don't even let them get started. Tell him you're going to see something different tonight, and you're not. And if you hit it, fantastic. If you're not, put the thought, you know, the fear of God into him, or maybe I don't know the fear of God about it. But just give them something to think about. This is not going to be that, you know, very you know, bundled up offense. It's just going to try to work for first downs. They're playing for touchdowns today, you know, and and and, and you have to you have to react to it, and you have to adjust to it. Take the game to them. Don't be reactive for everything. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more. Don't even don't even let them set the tone. Just get right in there and just bury them. Bury them early. Um, I got an emergency newsflash, Grump, for here. all of you Nick fans out there. Here it comes. It's a final. Your New York Knickerbockers, one hundred six, Indiana, one hundred two, two thousand twenty one, already. Not quite the kick in the nuts that we expected it to be. So we got <laughs> well, that going for us. Hope that that carries over into tomorrow. See you in the playoffs, my friends. <laughs> um, on defense, when I look back at week five, the Giants were built like completely differently. Uh, it, it doesn't sound like much, but at the time, the outside rushers were Marcus Golden, Kyler Fackrell, and Lorenzo Carter. 
You know, those are much more polished and speedy guys than what's going to be coming out of the tunnel tunnel on week 17. Sure, Kyler Fackrell is back to join Jabal Sheard and Carter Coughlin, but it's also his first game in like months. So how good is he really going to be? I, I don't really know. Um, and how many how many snaps are you gonna get out of him too? Yeah, I, I, you know, it seemed like he was bound to come back last week, and then he didn't. So maybe maybe that was the right thing. Maybe Joe Judge does have him at close to a hundred percent now, and that he'll be he'll be pretty good. He'll be able to fly off the edge. I don't know because that is true that we a lot of us were kind of expecting him to be back last week, and he didn't make that. Uh, he wasn't elevated, so I don't really know. And and I haven't heard any reports about how he's looked in practice or anything like that. So. Um, on the flip side, we also have Ryan Lewis playing on the outside at CB2. And now we have Isaac Yadam, who is, I would say, as of now, he you know he's he shouldn't be a starter. But he's playing better now than the CB2s that was rotating between Ryan Lewis and Isaac Yadam at the beginning of the year than they were then. Um, and they're going to need that because uh, we're looking at C.D. Lamb, who is finally settling in as a rookie. You know, Amari Cooper, great talent, might be the best wide receiver in the NFC East, maybe behind like maybe Terry McLaurin, probably. I would, I think I'd put my chips in with him. Yeah, um, and Michael Gallup has been playing like a fucking animal lately. Uh, also had two incredibly key catches on the sideline to set up the game-winning field goal in Week Five. Michael Gallup, you know, so Isaac Adam playing better. That's going to be a whole. That's going to be a huge difference between now and week five. And also Xavier McKinney. You know, he hasn't been like this massive playmaker, but his ability to come in, not embarrass himself, play back a little bit, that allows guys like um, Logan Ryan and and Jabril Peppers to play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage might help us out a lot. Uh, So those are two things that are completely different from, from week five. You know, our secondary looks a little bit better, but our edge rushers are much, much worse than they were then. And that's going to be a big thing. Gotta watch too because Ezekiel Elliott might be back also. I would expect him to be. No, I mean back being Ezekiel Elliott. He had a good, you know, he he played better last week. You know, he might. He, don't forget about him. Like it's easy to kind of like forget that he is when healthy. One of the what three five best players in the NFC East on offense. We're talking about like, who's the best wide receiver. Oh, as far as offensive talent? Yeah. yeah. He's probably in the top five. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, like, we kind of, like, we're talking about the receivers and everything, but don't forget about him. And, you know, that's my concern is he's going to have, like, the, that game where all of a sudden, now that he's healthy, you know, he runs all over us. Yeah. <laughs> so, not... the Giants actually held him in check pretty well in week five, but also, in general, the run defense was a lot better in week in the earlier weeks than it has been as of late. I mean, shit. Forget about last week. You know that that whole against the run, they were a fucking mess. But in Baltimore, you know, with Greg Roman and and Lamar Jackson and all the talent they have running the ball, they're really designed to. They are a, a running game juggernaut. Them. So I mean that that one's a little bit out of context in comparison to, you know, Dallas that has a lot of injuries in the offensive line. They're playing a lot of backups, and you know, Elliot, it, it's completely different. But I'm hoping that, you know, this trend of the run defense really struggling the last couple weeks, I really hope that that snaps because that's going to be important. I mean, 
we saw what that looks like, that slow bleed. I mean, shit, it was 14 nothing at the end of like the second quarter almost last week and it felt like we were losing like 35 to nothing. Like there was just nothing we could do to stop anything. Well, they're just everything was second and 3, second and 2, second and 3 and it wasn't like anything fantastic they were doing. They were just, just running their the plays. Ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um We'll talk about Andy Dalton just a little bit here. Um, I don't think anyone in the universe is going to try and tell you that Andy Dalton athletically compares to Dak Prescott or what he can do. Um, But as far as a backup quarterback goes, he's everything you want. I mean, he can place the ball pretty much wherever you want. Might even be more accurate than Dak Prescott, but he's an intelligent guy. You don't usually see him throwing mistakes. Um, So yeah, he's probably not going to tuck it and run a whole lot and you know, he's not going to really like carve you up with his arm talent, but he's also not going to be throwing into double coverage, triple coverage. He can play it safe and get things done. You know, he's not, we're not looking at Ben DiNucci that was coming in and, and playing in his relief. <laughs> you know, we're not looking at some AAF quarterback. You know, this is, this is a good backup quarterback to have on your roster. And quite frankly, you know, the way he came in in that game, he played pretty well for coming right off the fucking bench. And it's not like he was in Mike McCarthy's offense for years and they drafted Dak Prescott and now he's got the reins. Nah, he's just as new to this offense as everybody else. So, and that was his, he's just coming right off the bench in the middle of the game. He played pretty well then. He's been playing okay. You know, he's certainly not been the reason that this team sucks. This team just sucks. So. Well, you saw the difference when he was in and when he wasn't in. Of course. Oh, yeah, well. I mean, you saw a team that was barely an NFL team. I mean, that that game against Washington, when he got hurt, that was that was a disgrace. Yeah. Is what <laughs> that, that was. was. And I was, that wasn't even good TV. That was like. And I was in Dallas. That, that was during the World Series. And, you know, I saw that game, you know, with locals. And then, you know, listening to the aftermath on sports radio for the next couple of days, that was pretty much the bottom of, you know, and before that game, you were hearing a lot of this is the worst defense in the history of this team, the worst collection of talent. You know, Mike Nolan is the worst hire in, in team history, blah, 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 blah. And then they just really laid a turd in that game. You know, so. They've they've stayed the course. I mean, this team is certainly better than it was at that moment. Um, but Dallas is just one of those teams where I can't expect to see the same thing two days in a row from them. Yeah. I mean, really, seriously, it's just like, you know, they could look like complete garbage and we would play them and they'd look fantastic. You know, now everybody's on the Dallas bandwagon after last week after blowing out Philly. And I'm like, show me you can do it two times in a row. Well, that's everything with this league. The, the, the amount of recency by it. People make flip decisions so flippantly, quite frankly. Uh, you know, every week it's a whole new narrative. Yeah, I mean, the talking heads, they they want Dallas to be relevant. I mean, it provides more content, the Cowboys, whether they're good or whether they're really bad, you know, than any other team. And just to have them relevant is so important. So, but, you know... the like I said, they, 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 we thought they were left for dead early in that game last week. They came back. They showed some heart. But, you know, show me again you can do that. Mm-hmm. Let's see or it. Or don't. <laughs> Please don't. I, I prefer it. But, you know, <laughs> you, you know, trying to be the objective person, which I'm obviously not. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to take you seriously, you know, if you do it again, all right, well, you know, good for you. One other thing to notice is uh, – or to mention rather is that 
in that week five matchup, center Joe Looney was out with an injury, and rookie Tyler Biotish had to be in the game. Uh, he didn't play too poorly, but he did account for an exchange between him and Andy Dalton under center was a fumble in the red zone that was recovered by the Giants. Um, I don't remember if that was a, I think that was a just a field goal that we got out of that, but I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong here. I'm not sure. But nevertheless, um, defensively, it really comes down to Andy Dalton needs to be hit. You got to hit this guy. You know, he's he's in the back half of his career. Make him make some business decisions. He's a tough dude, you know. He'll stand in the pocket and get rocked. So, you know, week 17 on a team that's probably not going to the playoffs. He's like 100 years old. Just There's absolutely no way he's thinking that. No, I, I know that. But just <laughs> yeah. I, I just mean in general. Make this dude hear footsteps. You know what I mean? He is, he is a dude who understands. He's a veteran. He's not He's not that, like hard-on-his-sleeve rookie who's going to stand in the pocket and get nailed and what... You know what I mean? Like, he understands pocket timing and, and you know, he'll give up a little bit easier. You know, he's not... We, we see it all the time with Daniel Jones. will stand there and just get nailed. All last week, stood in there, delivered, got rocked. Um, you know, the, the guys in their prime, they tend to take more risks like that. I just don't think... I think he's used to running, escaping, and throwing away. You know, it's such a... As a quarterback, you know, and I could never be one, but it's it's so interesting how how fine of a line it is between giving up on a play, living to fight another day, you know, running too early, hearing footsteps, and and being, you know, too too much of a, a you know a pocket warrior, and and you know getting clobbered all the time and not making the right call. It is such a fine line that only the greats can do. Um, the point is, if they're not going to be able to cover all three of these receivers. And, you know, Elliott coming out of the backfield and and even guys like Dalton Schultz at tight end are going to be open if he has time to throw. They have to be hitting this dude. They have to get him uncomfortable and moving. And he's a fairly mobile quarterback, but he's not better on the run than he is standing comfortably in the pocket, as most quarterbacks are. How old do you think Andy Dalton is? Andy Dalton, I mean, he's not that as look- old. As, I'm, I'm not looking it up. He's not as old as I'm making out to be. I want to say he's probably my age. He's probably like, what, 32, 31? 33. Okay, so it's pretty close. He's, he's a guy who, you know, he, he hasn't been in the playoffs since 2014. He's 0-4 in playoff games, and he's been pretty wretched in those games. And he's he also had, playing on some pretty overachieving Bengals teams. I understand that, but I'm getting to a point here. He, he's, had, he's had one touchdown pass and six picks. He has a QBR of 57. In playoff games. My point being is that, you know, in 2020, probably right before the snap that Dak Prescott got hurt, probably was thinking he would never get an opportunity to be in a playoff game or start a playoff game the rest of his career. So this is important for him, not only to get back there again, but there are some demons he has to resolve, you know, from in his head from being so bad in playoff games. So you know, when you said before about he might be making some business decisions or anything, I, I don't, I don't buy that. I think he's going to be, you're going to see a guy who's going to do everything he can take to win. Now the question is, you know, that's great and fine and dandy, but his physical limitations of just how good of a quarterback he is, if he tries to do whatever it takes to win, might have him go ahead of his skis and make mistakes like he's done in playoff games in the past. So 
it's almost kind of like if you can put Andy Dalton in a position where he has to throw a lot and like you said, get him, get him under duress, hit him a few times, make him think, I think he'll make mistakes. And we need as a defense to, we need to, we need some turnovers. We need to control special teams. We need to control, you know, time possession this game. We need to control field position. And all those things are all kind of related. And I think that starts with exactly what you said. Let's, you know, bring the house and, and, and give, make him, make him stressed. I mean, we're going to have to take our chances with really good receivers on the back end. And then, you know, if he doesn't have time to hit these guys, that's great. But, you know, if he's sitting back there, he's, he may pick apart the secondary with some really good receivers. And that's the case we don't have a shot anyway. So, you know, we, we have to go balls to the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to take every bit of disguise and execution to slow down a high-powered offense like this with, with all the emphasis that they put on skill positions. I mean, they're, they're really going to have to figure out their coverage. They're going to have to, beyond figure out their coverage and beyond figuring out their stunts on the defensive line, they have to win their battles. The one-on-ones on the line, they have to win. They have to get him flushed and moving. So, and if we all and if we all think uh, Patrick Graham is this, you know, great defensive coordinator, and you know, he may be a head coach someday, and all this stuff, these are the type of games that kind of define a guy like him. You know, it's great that we've over. You know, we've overachieved with the talent we have on defense. You know, he's disguised some of the limitations in the back end we've had. Uh, but you know, having a signature game, and this to me is a signature game. You know, Seattle, you could say possibly as well. But, you know, this is where versus for all the marbles. And, you know, putting a statement on it where this – because we're going to – the defense – we need this defense to win this game for us. You know, offense is – you know, it has been kind of – puttering along it's it's been an issue we're not going to score 40 points against dallas it's going to have to be done by keeping this a low scoring game and that's going to mean getting off the field on third down it's going to mean you know, pass rush and pressure on on dalton so he's not extending drives and, and hitting guys downfield and, and you know easy scores and you know big chunk plays this game's going to be on the defense and really it comes down to i think scheming it up and and play calling defense as much as it's going to be execution. All right, prediction time. So I actually have some pretty good faith in this game. I think that the Giants can come to play. I think that they are healthier at the right time than the Cowboys are. And um, I think that there was a lot that Patrick Graham took away from that Week 5 game. Uh, and I think the Giants score some fucking points. I think they win this one 27-20. Giants... Have not looked good the last few weeks. That is also because, but they have not regressed. They have just played legitimate playoff teams. They have played very good teams. They have played very good quarterbacks. They have played quarterbacks that make you look bad with their legs as much as they do with their arms. That doesn't mean we are getting worse. It's just the competition was better. We are not playing that competition this week. We are playing... We are playing to play in the playoffs. Neither of these teams are playoff teams. Andy Dalton will never be confused with Lamar Jackson, never be confused with Russell Wilson, never be confused with Kyler Murray. Dallas, to me, like I said a little while before, is just way – they're not good, and they're way too inconsistent. 
you know, I know they've had a couple games this year where you know they they knock me out of the pool with, I think they be it was uh, I think it was the Raiders who knocked me out of the survivor pool. They pulled last week out of their ass. They're not good enough to do that, you know, back to back. And I and again, we're talking teams like Philly, the Giants. I mean, we're all about the same. There's no head buddy, head and shoulders, better or worse of these four teams. Uh, I, I, the coaching has not been good this year. It's still not a good fit on, you know, Nolan in the defense. McCarthy, we, you know, we've all talked about him. I think we're going to pull it out. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a low scoring, ugly game again. You know, it's kind of what we've been playing, but in the end, I think we will make less mistakes than Dallas will. I, I, I don't trust Dalton in a, in a, playoff game i'm calling this a playoff game you know this was you know this was the normal cincinnati plays on the 12 o'clock saturday of wildcard weekend game you'd you know by four o'clock you'd be going home and you'd be like all right now it's time for the good game uh, i i i don't have any faith in him uh they may bust one or two big plays and score quickly but i think we keep that to a minimum i don't think they're built or be successful of just trying to grind it out like we saw last week at Baltimore. I think we win something to the effect of 17-14, and I think Daniel Jones plays a a clean game. No turnovers, may not light up the scoreboard or yardage or anything, but something like, I don't know, 18 for 25 for 160, a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown, something like that. So we're both on the Giants winning this game. And that brings us to the 8-20 game with um, uh, Washington at Philadelphia. You know, this is this is once for all the marbles for Washington. It's a win and in for them. So we need Philadelphia to win this game. Um, I don't know how to lean on this one. Alex Smith has been not healthy. He's had a calf strain. Um, both of his calves are kind of fucked. Uh calf muscle from what his healthy leg was put into his unhealthy leg from his multiple compound fractures and 20 whatever surgeries so any calf strain is a big deal it's why he's been out for a while um he has been only practicing on a limited basis it's going to be interesting to see how he plays on top of that philadelphia on the flip side they are resting a fucking ton of their players um because they are completely out of it at this point um i just i i i'm i think i think i'm gonna say that washington wins this game but it could i could be wrong this one could easily flip the other way you know um there is more than enough talent on the philadelphia defensive line to still rush after alex smith who cannot be a hundred percent right now and quite frankly the next guy off the bench is heineke yeah. So, uh, you know, if Alex Smith goes down, it's hard for me to imagine a situation in which Washington wins this game. Um, but if anyone can figure out how to lose a game, it's probably Doug Peterson. Rooting for Philly is kind of like asking your sister to go to prom with you. It's like just the most horrible situation you could possibly be in because you are pathetic enough that you couldn't get your own date. And that's where we are right now. Wow, that is an incredibly accurate metaphor. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Philly has been brutal all year. 
they had their opportunity to kind of control their old destiny last week and they completely shit the bed. They're done. You know, their coaching staff is done. This front office is done. Players are playing because, you know, they're playing for their jobs and they're playing for their contracts. But, you know, everybody that's out, there's no incentive for anybody on that on that team to win. And you're right. It comes down to Alex Smith. Alex Smith is healthy and can play the full game. They'll win. If he gets hurt, Philly can win. And knowing my luck lately with all my teams, how much they've sucked, odds are Alex Smith will play a full game. They'll win another ugly game also, and they will win improbably the NFC East. Not what I want, but that's what I think is going to happen. And I, I just want to take a second to we, – we didn't get a chance to talk. Washington uh, recently cut Dwayne Haskins. Um, he had been not really playing well in Alex Smith's uh, absence. He was benched early in the year at one point third string behind Kyle Allen and Alex Smith. It's amazing to me. You know, a lot of people say that Washington is, oh, they were supposed to be bad and look at how good they are. I don't think anyone really expected Alex Smith to be back. If you told me that Alex Smith would be back and actually playing, I could have told you they'd be doing better than they actually are. Um, or, or, or they can look like a better team than they actually are, especially with Ron Rivera as head coach. Um Dwayne Haskins has turned out to be such a colossal fucking mistake. It, it, it blows my mind that um, that he's been. I mean, he's been in the league for a year. Yeah, this, this is his second season. Um, it's crazy. We're in, we're in Ryan Leaf territory, almost as bad of a, a bust. And I, I know in, he was in terms the of assets spent. Yeah, I mean, really, he was playing poorly, but you know, I. I was severely against Dwayne Haskins. You know, we can go through the archives of me being very concerned about a college quarterback with only one year of tape. Um, and, and, of course, playing for a juggernaut you know, Big Ten school that... Well, know. here's the thing. It's not just he had one year of tape. You know, from probably from that war room, there was nobody was on the same page whether they wanted him or not. And if you are not all on the same page, you're kind of doomed from the from the get go. I mean, uh, Gruden lost his job because he didn't want to play him, and said, "All right, here he is, unprepared at all. Here's who you wanted so badly on the field, and was you know given a complete disservice by that organization." So he has never had the support of two coaching staffs in not even two years. Uh, you know. To your point of only playing one year in college, you know he's not a guy who you just throw out. He's not Joe Burrow. You throw out there on, on, on week one and say, you know, "It's your team, kid. Go for it." He needed, you know, to be, you know, the Aaron Rodgers route or something, or a guy who just kind of, you know, learns, practices, gets ready, and then when his time is there, his time is there. Then you throw in his incredibly bad attitude, uh, a really entitled, you know, that was a turnoff in, in his locker room. Oh, right from draft night, too. There was some weird thing about his dad, like, not really getting a story out where he wanted to control the narrative of a, of a news article about him before draft night. He was charging people to attend his own draft party. There was just <laughs> kind of red flags all over the place, you know? And, right. And there's no, those things on their own necessarily aren't 
offenses of any kind, but not really the kind of thing. But when they start adding up, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like you start getting a, you know, you get a resume of all these things, and it's like, do you want to deal with all this? Well, it just becomes a rap sheet. Right. Now the question now, why are we saying this, and why would you care? We we always look at everything through the giant's lens, and you know it all comes back to Gettleman. That you know we are we are very much out on if Daniel Jones is the future of this franchise. Is he a franchise quarterback? That is not the same ballpark at all. What Daniel Haskins? Uh, Daniel Haskins, my bad. Dwayne Haskins is. It's pretty rare when quarterbacks right out of the shoot become incredible and change your franchise and turn a really bad team into a great team. You know, most rookie quarterbacks kind of go along this Daniel Jones route. Daniel Jones also has had a lot of things working against him. He was kind of thrown into the fire last year by not being prepped to be the starter. This offseason he had COVID, a new coach came in. He's been hurt this year. So he's been pissing in the wind a little bit in his career. It's not helped him. But people that are ready to move on from Daniel Jones and fire Gettleman because he's failed at the quarterback, you just have to look down I-95 and see the, 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 the colossal you know, mismanagement of a team. And those are serious problems from a team that just does not know its ass from its elbow. And you know this we hate to keep saying it, everybody, but we have to have patience and wait and see how this plays out. And it goes back to what I always say. If you think that the window for the Giants during this rebuild is over, then, first of all, you're crazy. Second of all, then you fire Gettleman. No sane person thinks that, you know, from whenever that rebuild starts to this point, that we are done building. There are still a lot of pieces that haven't been addressed yet that have to be addressed. When we do all those things and we're still a shitty team and we still have to start rebuilding again, fair criticism. Mm-hmm. So keep everything in perspective. Yeah, I mean that's the perspective right there. Is when you when you talk about draft mistakes, I mean, holy shit, that's a huge mistake. And it's not even necessarily the player, right? And you already, you already said this. It's it's the fact that head coach, offensive coordinator, front office, general manager, nobody's on the same page about your number one pick in the draft. That can't happen. That is true mismanagement. It's not whether or not Dwayne Haskins is a good player. It's if if you have a head coach that doesn't like a guy, isn't going to use a guy, doesn't think that he's good and needs to allocate resources elsewhere, he's not going to play him. It's not going to work. I mean, everybody has to be on the same page. So you know this is a huge, huge mistake. Um, you know, and it's it's no one is going to tell you that Haskins doesn't have talent, but um, wrong fit. Wrong fit right from the get-go, and that's that is a losing out on a a high pick like that, just completely whiffing. It is so hard to come back from. You know they're lucky that they had Alex Smith this year. Alex Smith is not the long-term solution. Everybody's thinking that Washington is this fixed franchise. They need a quarterback. No, they this, need. This they is, they are not band-aid. set right now. No, they, Washington is the same problem that Washington fans have the same problem that Giant fans have right now. They did not have a Philly or Dallas to run away with this division to, you know, you know, you have these phantom dreams of we maybe we're a playoff team. Maybe we're better than we are, you know, and, and that's the worst thing that can happen is you don't have realistic lens of your own situation. And 
Alex Smith, if he gets you, we were talking right now. We just did our predictions. We don't know if he can make it through a whole game. Mm. Yeah, that's With a calf strain. A fran- he has a calf not, strain. That is the level of injury. You build your franchise on a guy. You don't know if he can make it through game to game, quarter to quarter, you know, series, series, snap to snap. We don't know. And they are, they are as. You know, we have problems. We are in a rebuild. You know, too early to tell. But you know, there are legitimate questions about. You know, Daniel Jones and was it right to get, you know, Barkley? And, you know, we know we have to go through that over and over again. The questions we have are not nearly the same as what Washington does. And you say, well, worry about yourself. Well, Washington's in our division and Washington and the Giants are the two teams that you would think because of the assets that they're accumulating have the biggest room for growth in the next two to four years than Dallas and Philly, who've already kind of shot their wads and, you know, maybe kind of coming back to earth and may have to consider the rebuild at some point. So it is important to, to, to worry about them. And that's going to do it for us for this episode. We will see you at 1 o'clock. Um, you know, we're ready to fight. This is this is war week. This is it. This is the game of the year. Um, hey, when I'm wearing the Sims jersey, you know it's serious business. That means it's playoff time, and it's the and it's division rival time, and it's all that stuff. So Sims will be on representing. This isn't an Eli day. This is a Sims day. This is a it's serious Taylor business. day for me. Yeah, I mean we're bringing all the big guns. That's right. So we will see you for that game. After the game, when the Giants win, and we are eagerly awaiting that Redskins game, I will be on Twitter watching the game. So I'll be live, probably not like an actual feed or anything but I'll, I'll i'll be tweeting throughout that game interact with me there um at football underscore grump which is where you'll find me if anybody's still following me after my uh my road trip across america so you know exactly where every rest area starbucks exxon gas marriott location you can name those are three plugs i expect some sponsorships from you clowns uh, but if you're still following me after that Follow me at the Cranky Fan. Well, we'll be talking, obviously, Giants playoffs and what the hell the Gators are going to do after being having a disgraceful month. So, Cranky Fan, that's where you find me. And as always, this show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Play, and wherever else. Um, so give us you know a nice, the drill. Yeah, yeah, give us a nice follow there to have all these episodes ready for you there. And we will see you Sunday at 1 o'clock. Go Giants. Go Giants.